From Courtside of the Virtual Hardwood, it's the NLSC Podcast, episode number 365. Yes, that's right, a podcast for every day of the year. I'm Andrew, with you as always. I'm Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. My co-host is Derek. You know him in the forum as Deeper3 and Deeper384 on Twitter. Oh, happy to be here again. Uh, I actually wanted to start this podcast off bringing up a baseball video game, but I'll, I'll tie it back to, to hoops. Uh, have you ever played MLB The Show 20 for PlayStation 4? Oh, I th- I'm not sure if I, which version I have, because I, I know one of them was one of the uh, free, the PlayStation Plus free games, so I know I've, I've got one of them in my library, either 19 or 20, but I, I haven't played any of the show games. I, I have heard that they are incredible, uh, not just as baseball games, uh, but as also sports games in general. Listen, I, I gotta t- I gotta tell you something. So you're so you're at least familiar with how amazing the, these games look. I've, I've always heard good pres- things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the customization options and everything. So there is no further proof that an amazing in-depth create a player feature, uh, create a player feature is just creates endless opportunities for amazing retro rosters and amazing content in general this mlb the show 20 um and we have it on ps4 pro has such an amazing create a player feature with so many with so many different editing options that you can create just just complete they look like real cyber faces like you're using the real players faces players like randy johnson and um Barry Bonds and uh, Rafael Palmero and all of these guys from the past. And this is why I say that it's so important for when when NBA Live comes back, when EA Sports brings their, you know, sim basketball series back to have these a a great creative player feature and, you know, these customization options, because the time that we've already sunk into the game with, you know, the time we've already spent on the game using these creative player options and uh, the customization options. It's just, it's unbelievable. They want players to be on the games longer. Why not give people a great creative player feature? And it's better. It's, it's far better even than NBA 2K. Um, you know, the new 2Ks, 2K21 and whatnot, because you can do things like eye depth and you can place the ears in different spots. You can move um, the eyebrows up or down differently. You can, you have way more flexibility than what you have on the NBA 2K games. It's just it, it just blew us away last night. It's funny when that, we were... that you mentioned that actually, because moving the the ear position, the eye depth, and eye protrusion, and everything. You know, you know which game you can actually do that in. What game? NBA Live 06 for 360. Yeah, I mean that would explain too why some of your at like like the Pippin that you made, why it can be a little bit more to his likeness. Just it, a little bit, yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, it's yeah, limited. You know, I mean, <laughs> it is limited, but what right. you can do. But there is actually, it's, it's there are some pretty good face morphing tools in 06 for 360, and I think some of them carried over to 07 and 08 to 10 as well. But but you, you're right; it's so important to have, especially on console. I mean, on, on PC we can do so many things, putting those custom textures and models. On on console, you you can't. And as you say, it, it's a big part of that replayability. I mean, look look at the time I've spent with 06 recently, going back and playing that. And, and and doing some rosters, some of which I'm going to be looking to release, part of March Modernist, trying to put it up on the site to see if people can download it and rehash it and, uh, and copy it to their consoles. It'll be great to see, and hopefully it'll work properly. But you can see how you can freshen up an old game and just get a little bit more play out of it. Retro or current, 
just by being able to, to, to customize that. And especially with the NBA games, not having a Barkley, uh, not having a Reggie Miller, you know, people want to put that in, into the game. And of course, again, we can do it on PC very easily and in depth with, with uh, custom textures and, and models. But on console, all you've got is what you've got in game. And the more you've got in game, the more tools you have to do to create those custom rosters, so much the better. And in fact, I would I would like to see, Derek, not just the face sculpting, which is important, but also be able to enter draft information, maybe even career stats if you actually want to go year by year, if you're that keen to do it. Why not? I'd love to have really deep creative player features in an NBA game. All-star team editing, we've never had. So little things like that that you could just really customize the roster. I'd, I'd love to see it. it. It's so important because it can really keep that game fresh all, all year round. You can do things before you don't have to wait for the official rosters. And, and I know that they want to promote people going on to the next game, but if people do stick with an old game or, or go back to an old favorite, that they can do something cool with it. So yeah, it, it's one of those things that I think has been lost or at least not prioritized because as we've said before, it's all about profits these days. And yes, we know it's a business, but if it the, the point is if it's 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 so recurrent revenue driven that if a feature doesn't play into that, if it's not they're not just adding things that are because they're cool anymore or because they'd be really great for gamers, and it's it's a shame. It's a real shame. Yeah, you know, as far as bringing up like what you brought up with the stats and everything, and adding the stats and being able to have more um, depth with the with the creation, we have the tech for that. Like, there's no argument, like, there's no way somebody can tell me that we don't have the tech in order to, um, you know, to add those features. I think it's it's more of a priority list Absolutely. Uh, than anything. It's, 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 it's a priority from the suits and, and what's being sent down to the developers. But, you know, we're so we're playing this MLB The Show 20 game, and there's a, like, like an, a Legends roster. And it's like all-time teams with no duplicates. And we're going through all these players, and a lot of them are legends with real portraits. Like, it's, it's actually a baseball card um, of the players like Frank Thomas and, and whatnot. But then you can't even really tell the difference. Like, you don't know which player was in the game already or which one was created. That's how good the creative player feature is. That's solid. Like, the Sammy Sosa, yeah, the Sammy Sosa looks as much like Sammy Sosa as the in-game Babe Ruth looks like Babe Ruth. And I think, and I'm not even sure, I think the Sammy Sosa is created. I'm not even sure. Like, I, I don't know. Um, because it's that good. <laughs> that's when you know, yeah, that's when you know the creative player is good when you can do that with in-game tools. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you, you talked about, you've, you've heard they were amazing. Listen, 2K gets a lot of um, credit for their presentation and whatnot. MLB The Show 20 blows away NBA 2K21's presentation. And, and and I'm talking about it has MLB Network presentation. Um, even the default show presentation is great. But it has the MLB Network presentation, the scoreboard. Um, the commentary is just awesome. Uh, all of the on-screen stuff, the cut scenes and everything, it's like you're watching a real game. The graphics are you you know what we used to say when we were younger we would joke and we would be like oh we are, we're playing nba jam it looks like we're the play it looks like we're watching it on tv i wouldn't be able to tell remember we oh, yeah. we, we, we did that with the old games we we put in like nba fast break 98 and we'd be like man from far away this i couldn't tell it looked like a real game but now we're really at that point and we're i'm looking at nba mlb the show 20 and without the on screen meters and stuff this looks like real life. 
And impressive. this is the thing that I say. It's just it's so impressive. This is why I say that NBA 2K21 for PS5 and Xbox Series X is kind of a disappointment graphically because I see games like Madden 19 and um, MLB The Show 20 and whatnot from PlayStation 4, the last generation, and they are far more overall visually appealing than what I'm seeing on NBA 2K21 next gen. Um, as in, I do say and think, and I could put screenshots side by side, that the graphics are better. On I mean, but is, is, it, is it built PS4 from the ground right? up, though? That's the, that's the question. Uh, so here's the thing <laughs> that I'm interested in. Um, MLB The Show 21 is actually um, coming out for Xbox Series X. Uh, they're coming to the Series X for the first time. Normally it's a PlayStation exclusive. So I'm definitely going to be um, getting that just to see if there is a significant jump. I don't know how they can get much better than MLB The Show 20. Um, but yeah, anyway, I wanted to bring that up because it is so important for roster makers um, for you know to have such a great creative player feature and uh, like all the deep customization that that game has. And we were able to jump in. We were able to download that roster make some faces ourselves that we thought were missing or even edit some that we thought might need a little bit of editing. And we're able to jump in, do a fantasy draft, have the greatest baseball players of all time spread out through all, through all the leagues, excuse me, through all the teams. And we're playing on console like we're on PC because that's how good the customization is. And that's what I want for, co um, for console players, right? Absolutely, I want them to have yeah. that level of customization that we have on PC. And this goes for NBA Live in particular because, I mean, for a few years there, they didn't even have roster editing in, in NBA Live when they brought it back on the last generation. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? It, it really it's was. Just, it, it really was that they and, – and I, I stressed it to them there. When I went to the NBA Live 16 community event, I said to uh, to AJ, who was the uh, the community manager at the time, I said, look, you know, look, man, there are, there are people who, if this doesn't have roster editing, they're going to say no. They, they, they're going to say this is an, yet another year that doesn't have a basic staple that we had in NBA Live 95. And he, he was shocked. I mean, he, he wasn't offended, but he took it on board. He said, look, I'll pass that along because that was feedback. And unfortunately, you know, that was feedback they, they needed and, and wanted to hear. But unfortunately, since then, it, it feels like they're less open to that. It's all about, you know, the one, the streets, the uh, the clothing, the, the, the streamers. They've kind of shut out that old guard. I've talked about that before. And it's uh, I'm hoping that if when they do come back, we will actually have that open dialogue and that they'll be listening to everybody because the voices they have been listening to have not done the game any favours. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit about that when we get to the mailbag this week, actually. But having not having those roster editing functions in there for, the, for three games, it was great that they added in, in 18. It took a step back in 19 that you couldn't even uh, trade players. You had to release them and then sign them again into... Uh, so why they lost that functionality, I don't know. There was bugs because I know that uh, Mike MP3, shout out to uh, to you, Mike, was uh, was trying to update the rosters, and basically every time he saved it, they were getting a year younger. So there's all kinds of bugs and sloppiness and missing features and everything from uh, in Live 19 when they with the roster editing, which at least it was in the game by default, but <laughs> it had those problems as well. Look, it's we, we've said it before, whether it's playoffs mode. Uh, a, a deep franchise or mode of roster editing. There are some certain established staples in basketball games that, that that you just need to have, and they need to be working. They need to be reasonably deep and functional, uh, free of bugs. And, and certainly, there's more that, that can be done with them. Things that have never been done before, 
yeah, I'd love to see it and to see something like that or hear about something like that in the show is, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that makes you feel wistful, does it not? Well, the other thing, too, is it's not just it does. It, it's it's not just NBA Live either. NBA 2K, we've talked about it. There's a lot of lack of depth in the creative player feature um, that they could still do a lot more with in order for people to make more more accurate faces. And I mean, they did a great job with adding the player DNA feature, although some people lean on it a little bit too much, but the, you know, they've done a good job with the import export DNA feature and everything, but there's still so much customization improvements, excuse me, that can be done to the creative player feature in NBA 2k. And at the same time, there's so much they can still do for offline customization instead of restricting it all to my league. So yeah, there's there's just so, there's still so much they can do with basketball games. It's not just live; it's NBA 2K. But when live comes back, they need to have full roster editing. Listen, they, this they is do. ridiculous. Yeah. We're we're in twenty. We're going to be in twenty twenty. We're we're in twenty twenty one, and them not having roster editing that they had decades ago is a huge red flag. Like there's no excuse for it. They have all the tech. Um, they're working on other aspects of the game. All of that stuff. I just it's time. It's time to give a, give players, you know, what what they've had in in decades past. Agree, agree so. completely, and not just that, but also, I mean, roster editing is is one thing, but roster sharing is the other thing, because that's the other thing that eighteen and nineteen lacked was the ability to you could save the roster for your and reload it for your own use, which is fantastic. You know, it's it's certainly you want that, but not being able to share those custom rosters with other people as we could with nine and ten, uh, I think oh eight didn't had it had it as well with um what was it, the EA Locker, I believe they called it, basically their version of 2K Share. And unfortunately, it was more limited than 2K Share in that you had to add somebody on your friends list and then distribute it that way. So you basically, if we wanted to distribute rosters, you had to, uh, through the EA Locker, you had to friend somebody and then distribute it and then clear your friends list once they got it and then add some more people. And of course, then you lose privacy. That's the big problem. That's what the great thing about 2K Share is that you don't have that... You can see the username who shared it, but you're not connected with them. You're not on their friends list. They, or you can send them a friend request. They can decline if they want to keep things private. So there's that level. That's how the 2K share has been so much better than the EA Locker. But of course, then, we also need the, the traditional method of, of sharing files as well. And this has always been easier on PC as opposed to console, of course, because once the servers go down, what can you do? You, you can't share it the, through 2K Share or the EA Locker or any such systems like that. And that's a pain too. But how do you... It blows my mind. How, for NBA Live 19, 2019, how do you release a game and not have roster sharing included? Because it's... In a it, sports, it's well, it's a traditional thing. It's a, it's a, I, I mean, the height of online height the height of online sharing the height of you know the, the whole the whole conversation how many times have we heard the conversation of we want players to spend more time on the game we need more people spending more time on the game a lot of what nba 2k does is to say hey we want people on this game as much as possible right that's the whole point of a lot of what they put into the game and the direction how in 2019 can they even release a game a sports game a basketball nba game without roster sharing and without proper basic roster editing 
It's, I just, it's, I still. It's, it's mind blowing, but you look at the the focus of what they did, and it really was on the streets, on the one, but the streets in particular, and Prime World Tour and things like that, and representing courts from around the world, and the the uh, the Prime courts like the the, the Drew League uh, venues and things like that. It, it was all about that stuff, which which gave the game a hook. But as we've discussed many times before, and again, we'll probably get into the mailbag later on about it as well with one of the questions we have this week, is when you focus on those other things and not those traditional staples, not the NBA side of things, so you overlook things like a standalone playoffs mode, you overlook uh, roster editing and roster sharing, and and you overlook strategy and certain things in the AI, user versus uh, CPU, because it's focused on that online multiplayer experience. If you're focusing solely on that, I mean, 2K focuses a bit too much on that, but 2K at least has that core already in place, whereas NBA Live doesn't. So that's the frustrating thing. 2K shouldn't neglect the offline experience as much as they do, but they can kind of afford to more than live. Well, of course, especially because they don't have anybody competing with them in that regard. Oh, well, yeah, they, they, can, can, do any, they can do anything right now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Right, they can basically do whatever they want right now. No, the... The other thing, too, that was bothering me, and I brought this up, too, before the call, is I just I, – and I know we've talked about it on the podcast, but I just can't stand spending full price on a game because I recently bought MLB The Show 16 for PlayStation 3. I just can't stand spending full price on a game and going in to options that say, you know, The Vault, which is, you know, download rosters, download players – all of that stuff and clicking on it and saying this service is unavailable. Um, you know, these people are spending full prices on these games and then so many features are taken away. You know what I mean? And, you know, we see that with past games where people, uh, you know, they can't get on ultimate team anymore. Or they can't get on my team anymore. And it just frustrates me. Um, I know that it's, it's probably unrealistic to say, Hey, keep these servers up forever because somebody has to pay for them. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. But, it's the it's the whole point that I feel bad for those people who really love some of the older games and would love to you know download a roster for for those older games or like a classic teams roster or a um, you know all time teams roster or a specific season roster or a, sure, any you know, kind of custom content yeah audience. sliders yeah you know sliders, sliders absolutely can't get people sliders all that like it's just it's just it's it's kind of sad it's sad when it, you it pull is. up it, a game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not feasible. Like you said, someone's got to pay for the service. Someone's got to maintain them. We can't expect them to maintain them indefinitely until everybody is absolutely sick of those games because that, that will probably never happen. It'll always be somebody who wants to go back to them, who has someone who has nostalgia. Us, if nobody else. There's, there's two people we know that will go back and play these old games, right. if nothing else. But, but yeah, 27 months is not unreasonable, but at the same time, when they're still selling games for full price digitally that's the big problem there is that if, you, if you're going to sell those games if you're still going to offer them like a 2k17 i believe is still up on steam if you're going to do that drop it to 20 bucks drop it to 20 bucks exactly see that's a good compromise that's the thing is you know once those online connective modes get away go away the servers are down and everything why are these still 50 60 bucks half the game is like, gone you know, yeah Right, half the game is gone, and I think it's it, it is it's preying on consumers, and they, and they still get sales off of those games. I mean, twenty twenty five bucks for those games where the servers are down, um, that makes a lot more sense because that's you know makes more sense for what you're paying for. 
So, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a good compromise, actually. So. Well, I, I mentioned this. I didn't uh, wrote an article about it, that the, what is it, the Legend Edition of 2K18, Legend Edition Gold, is still available, or was still available at the time, on the PlayStation Network. And the, the thing is, people might see that and think, oh, Collector's Edition, you know, but half the stuff in that are digital collectibles, like VC, uh, My Team Cards, etc., that are no longer available because the servers are not online. It'd be, it's, it's bad enough selling the full version at full price, but they're still selling the collector's edition with... And you get nothing from that. You get absolutely nothing because you can't even play the proper My Career Mode anymore. So you can't play the story. You may not want to play the 2K18 story, as I've talked about on many occasions before. But the, you know, the point is you're still paying for content that you'll never get, not just with the, the standard edition, which is bad enough for... Uh, as you say, sixty dollars US uh, up to upwards of uh, seventy-five, eighty dollars Australian. But you've got the uh, the Legend Edition Gold, which is about one hundred and fifty Australian, I believe, from memory, or, or possibly more. And you don't even get those. You don't even get the collectibles anymore because it's all online content. No, it doesn't mention that anywhere, not specifically. So it does Yeah, so. it's very shady. I will say this, though, that would be the only benefit, in my opinion, to having a company come in and build a great basketball game that doesn't have a yearly release and they just keep building on the current infrastructure of a game. And maybe they do like a yearly fee that you pay for the game or maybe even a very a, a small monthly fee that you end up paying for the game. And they just keep building year after year off of that same model. Like a and, subscription for the rosters, maybe? Right, right, exactly. Well, no, like, like for the game in general. Like, yeah, so basically you, they do this with some RPGs, like basically Final Fantasy XI, I'll give you that, that as an example. There's like a monthly fee of like 8 or $9 a month. But what happens is, is you have, they've been building off of Final Fantasy XI since 2002. So for XI, you get continuous updates for that game, whether it be graphics or content related and whatnot. And, um, it's off of the same game base. So you don't lose all of that progress you made, right? Even since 2002. So the point is, is that maybe a company could come in, make a great game that lasts for that console's life. So let's say it lasts five or six years for that console's life. And instead of doing a yearly release, maybe they do like a monthly or yearly subscription, but you never lose your progress. Those modes stay up. Maybe they have an ultimate team type mode, but they add players to it and add, you know, make updates to it throughout that five or six year cycle. So that's where I could see a model like that working and people enjoying it because they're like, hey, you know what? It's the next year. I haven't lost my um, ultimate team or my team mode, etc. Um, progress, you know. It's it, four years down the road. I can still get rosters for this game. Um, they're still updating this game. Oh, look, it has current rosters. Hey, they did some little updates to the graphics and to the faces and stuff like that. I do think that would work, and I do think that if it was a great basketball game, people would latch on to that model. I, I think they would. I think the model would work. You look at it, you can see it in uh, a Fallout 76, uh, Elder Scrolls Online, GTA 5 Online, GTA Online. So it definitely works. And, and of course, as you said, Final Fantasy... Uh, World of Warcraft, etc. Any kind of, and especially as 2K tries to have that uh, MMORPG element to my career, you you could see it working. And and you, could, I mean, from their perspective, they could still do their microtransactions because uh, goodness knows Fallout 76 does, Bethesda does with that. So they could definitely still do that. There's going to be people who are going to be creating multiple players and wanting to get 
uh, wanting to speed up their progress. There's going to be uh, there's going to be people, as you say, buying. Uh, if they're adding more content to my team, they're going to be wanting packs. So they can still do it that way, and and we can still do no money spent apart from the subscription. So I think it's definitely feasible. You do have to get that solid game first. Like I can't think of a game in the last, well, actually ever really that I would say this is a game that would last a whole generation. That's that's my that's the problem is is getting that game base that they could update without feasibly update without having to release a whole new. Uh, redo the code and release a new game uh, 2k17 maybe possibly but even then there's there's elements of that game that if they couldn't patch them then i'd hate to have that for the whole generation so that that's the, that is the, the the challenge they face there but 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 that aside if, if, if they could rise to that challenge if they could make that game i do think they could do that and i do think it is a model they would take because obviously that is money coming in off the, off the subscription plus any recurrent revenue mechanics such the loot box based or grind based grinding based as they do now uh, they've talked about games as a service before lots of developers i i think they they'd probably take to that model as much as we would if it's if it was at all feasible and i want to make a point too you know people are obsessed about you know the whole oh well, what are the graphics like this year oh hey look look at the graphics oh have they improved you know on a generation of games how often have you seen the graphics dramatically improve in five or six years right? Because you're on the same gen. So little incremental graphics updates and everything, people are already used to that. So if you went from a graphical perspective, from, let's say you built a game and released it in 2022, and Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 are still the systems for all these games in, say, 2026, and they make incremental graphics to the updates, that's kind of what they're doing already, right? (laughs) With yearly releases. There's um, we talked about how very little difference there was in graphics from, say, you know, 2K18 into 2K21. Right. So, um, yeah, no, I think it would work. Um, and they might even make more money off of that model, to be honest with you, if they charged 8 or $9 a month and kids were willing to pay for that. Do I think that's fair? Uh, I don't know. It's a lot of money to spend over over a year, over a calendar year. But if they did that model and that's what people wanted and they felt that was more convenient and they'd be able to keep their stuff and keep rosters being created for that specific game and shared and all of that stuff, they might do it. So I mean, if, I, if you're I, buying I, the I, game every year, though, and it's about if it was about the equivalent of buying a new game every year, then it's, it's kind of how do, how do they sell that, though? It's, they'd have to sell it as, as us saving money to a certain extent. And yet, uh, yet, yeah. yet, at the, yet at the same time, they need to make a profit. So it's, it's one of those things they need to work out that's... Uh, then, then again, they do get people to spend thousands of dollars on on cards that are gone in a year anyway, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I do want to say, I, I, I want to make a point, though, about spending money, and I, I, I spent quite a bit this morning on, I don't know if people realize this, but the D. Brown Reebok Omni Pump 2, uh, the shoes he wore during the dunk contest in 1991, uh, those, were, those were re-released today. There's a special release, and I want to say that it's just for today, and I couldn't get my size on Reebok's official website, so I went to StockX. So for, and people are going to think this is crazy, but people don't realize D. Brown was my favorite player growing up. Um, For a $140 pair of shoes, I spent like $230 because that was the only way that I was able to get them in my size. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that's the crazy things people do, will do when they want something or love something. And, you know, what I did with the D. Brown shoes, I think a lot of people do... I recommend these shoes, by the way. They're awesome. 
but a lot of what people do when they're passionate about something or they want something like with VC virtual currency, they do it. You know what I mean? They go on and they spend that extra money. If they did a yearly subscription and it was $10 or $15 a month, I can guarantee you that there'd be a ton of people that signed up for it. Oh yeah. For, uh, yeah. for the game. So I know that's a little bit off topic, but no, I mean, I mean it, it, it all makes sense. If it's, if you have the income, if you have that disposable income and you can afford it, then it's it's up to you basically and and if that brings you happiness and you and that's you're you're enjoying your hobbies you know that's when I'm more and it's not causing you any financial distress any financial problems that's that's fine of course with the games they they do set the economy they set the competitive edge so there's all that's that is the problem with games but you know, we've we've talked about that before at length and it it remains a problem as of today it really is it's and uh i think taking advantage of kids is another thing that's that just drives me nuts. And I do think that kids are taken advantage of because of the gambling mechanics. And, you know, you know, teenagers are a really big part of the 2K gameplay uh, player base. In fact, I'd love to see those stats. Uh, uh, I would get, I'd venture to guess that teens or early 20s make up 80 to 90 percent of the player base, maybe more, for NBA 2K kids that are still in college or still in high school um, or even younger. Um, but they're being pummeled to death with these gambling mechanics. Uh, yeah, that, I, I don't uh, know what the range is like officially, but I, if you said somewhere in the range of like a, a 13 to 25 or something like that, like that kind of range where you high school kids to uh, still in college or just out of college, probably something like that. Right. So, and those are the kids that are getting pummeled to death with that stuff. So anyway... Yeah, anyway, it's, check out those shoes, people, because D Brown's, D Brown, uh, that dunk, and also check out that dunk contest if you hadn't, be, haven't, because that was amazing between D Brown and Sean Kemp. It was, was actually, dunk. I was watching some highlights of that earlier today, some uh, some of the NBA accounts I follow on uh, Instagram put uh, put some highlights of that, and he just had some uh, some incredible dunks. I mean, everyone looks at the the no-look the, uh, the no look dunk, which which is great, but he had some others that were just uh, very creative in that contest. Yeah, and he's only six one. I mean, seeing him get up there with his head near the rim um, and get that creativity in the air and everything is just wild to me. I mean, he's he, I want to say that he's a couple inches shorter than Steve Francis. Um, and yeah, it's a great dunk contest. Those are great shoes. I couldn't help but buy it because it, maybe I won't have the chance if I didn't get it today. I want to say it might even have been a today exclusive. So, yeah. <laughs> well, look, look at the next gen consoles if, you, if you're not on quick on those it's uh, here today gone tomorrow even if it's uh, not a right, one day exactly. thing so yeah we had to, we, a lot of people like myself had to find strange ways to get those consoles but hey we got them and of course you know we've talked about it collecting before and having to get things uh, digitally you know we, we've touched on that that, uh, that again in this episode of course having to pay a bit more for these digital copies and whatnot and uh, and again the the lack of games on the on the market is uh it's something that we've bemoaned in the past. You know, we we loved when there were multiple games back in the '90s, even through the early to mid 2000s, and we'd love to see life come back. As we've said before, we're going to again talk a bit about that in the mailbag this week, and uh, as we as we often do on the show, because we do want to see those two games come back. But we we also want to see other people throw their hat into the ring. Of course, we'd like to see a jam, a, a, a street, playgrounds continue. But there is actually another game that's coming out uh, soon in, in the third quarter of uh, 2021, Derek. Uh, 
Actually, Tim Kitzrow gave me a heads up on this, Derek. He sent me a DM about it because he is going to be uh, commentating in this new game, which is uh, Ultimate Rivals The Court. It is a follow-up from Ultimate Rivals uh, The Rink, which was a hockey-based arcade game. But the, the basic premise is it's, it's very NBA Jam-like, but rather than being a strict uh, NBA-licensed uh, project, licensed game, it's a... Uh, well, here's the description. Ultimate Rivals The Court is an action-packed basketball sports arcade game bringing 60-plus superstar athletes together in a digital world of the near future to go head-to-head on The Court, including NHL, NBA, WNBA, NFL, MLB, and U.S. Women's National Soccer Team players. So players from all kinds of sports, including NBA players, have been licensed to appear in the game as they were in the rink. Uh, they're going to be competing in this futuristic setting with a gameplay that looks very much like NBA Jam, some of your classic arcade basketball action there uh yeah again tim kitzrow is going to be commentating on it it's uh it's very intriguing derek and it's it's look, looking like one to keep an eye on how about tim kitzrow dming andrew begley oh yeah how about that your status you you got elevated <laughs> it's yeah i mean the fact that i talked to the uh had a whole interview with him a couple of years ago was uh mind-blowing yeah uh, uh, i'll see you on the red carpet soon no um <laughs> Basically, I mean, I think that's great. I, I looked at the footage of it. I looked at um, the Unrivaled, the Rink game that um, had already been uh, released in the past. And, yeah, I mean, it looks very anti-playgrounds, if you could say. I mean, the graphic direction, the the pace of the game, the wild, zany aspects of the game that are not in NBA playgrounds. It might scratch the itch that people are looking for, for, you know, true zany arcade basketball fun. I mean, part of it reminded me a little bit of Dunk Lords as far as you have dunks in the trailer, you have dunks where you go off of the screen and it kind of like zooms, that's how high up you get, and it kind of zooms into the player and then he comes down and throws it down. Um, even the pace is fast, like Dunk Lords, maybe even a little bit faster. Um, I like the camera view a lot better um, as far as it's a little bit more zoomed out and whatnot, seeing more of the action, more of the court, etc. And like you said, it having those NBA licensed players and then like women's players and all of that stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for it and I'll definitely be getting it right when it comes out. I think that the NBA also, excuse me, the name of the game also is kind of catchy. I think that that may also catch on did it say anything about online modes as far as like um being able to compete online uh scoreboards stuff like that leaderboards i mean it hasn't mentioned anything like that says more surprises will be unveiled in the coming months reading this uh preview from toucharcade.com here about that so yeah they haven't mentioned a lot of details yet there's just been a teaser trailer out there which shows some of the gameplay which as you said looks very fast-paced and frenetic so that's definitely cool to see um it's obviously if anyone who wants a, a a proper NBA Jam game with just NBA rosters and the traditional experience, I mean it, it's not going to cater to that as such. But I, I still think there's room for a, for a game like this. And again, it as any game like this, when if it does well, it emphasizes the need and the the for, for a game like this, and and also the the demand for a game like this, if nothing else. So I, I hope it succeeds. I, I'm definitely going to be covering it for the site, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it and covering some of these developments as they are released. Uh, it's going to be coming on Apple Arcade, but it, it will be coming to Steam as well and other platforms from the looks of things. So 
that's that's good to see. It's, it's three on three, so it's uh, closer to I guess a street in that respect rather than a rather than a jam, which was two on two. But apart from that, it is very NBA Jam style. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm very intrigued by it. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to more details. And, and again, I think getting getting Tim Kitzrow, obviously, who I'm clearly a big fan of. You can tell that from the interview that I did with him, episode 280, if you want to go back and check that out, of course, both on the site, uh, Spotify, and uh, everywhere else where our podcast is. It's also on our YouTube channel, MP Live Series Center. Uh, yeah, it's that's so important to get the vibe. And we've talked about the vibe of 2K Playgrounds. From the sounds of it, I mean, I'm guessing most of the players or all the players are going to be unlocked. There's not going to be any grinding abilities to get them max, maxed out. It's just going to be basically hitting the court with all of these assorted athletes and and playing through any kind of story mode or, or whatever on there. It looks like there is a story mode with it. So, yeah, I, I think this is a good evolution of the arcade genre. I, I would like to see, obviously, the traditional NBA Jam come back, if, whether it's EA or somebody else, and I hope they do it right. And I also hope they back the money truck up and give Tim Kitzrow whatever, <laughs> you know, a fair amount for his, uh, you know, you know, his services for that because he absolutely needs to be a part of any future NBA Jam. But I think just giving getting that NBA Jam vibe into this game is just going to be so important and it's going to give it so much appeal off the, you know, right out of the gate. Uh, I, I think that's such a good move to uh, to reach out to Tim and, uh, you know, and, and get him on board. Commentary and gameplay needs to just draw you in. And pace is a big part of that and feel. So if they can get the commentary right and the gameplay right as far as a pace and feel, um, from a pace and feel perspective, they'll you know, hit a home run. Hey, we back to baseball references. The, the other aspect of this, and I, I really hope an arcade, but maybe if you guys are, if anybody listens who creates this game, this would be just a really cool feature. Have some sort of a season mode in some of these arcade games, something where it doesn't have to be an NBA. It's be, this doesn't sound like a, a completely NBA game. It has, you know, players from different leagues, uh, men and women, all of that stuff. Have some sort of a season mode, maybe a 30 to 50 game season where it actually keeps your stats and you can go on to some sort of tournament at the end and all of that stuff. Keep people playing longer. I don't care if it's three on three. I don't care if it's an arcade game. You know, you know, make the game rich with content. Put your own spin on it. You know what I mean? I'd love to see that. Like, you know, NBA Playgrounds 2 has a season mode, but it's only like 13 to 16 games or something like that with um, a playoffs after, and it only keeps very minimal stats, and you can't move on to a next season or anything like that. It, it would be cool to see that in an arcade game, in an arcade basketball game. I'd love to see it. I'd oh. play it. I'd, I'd, be, I'd spend way more time on these games, so would my brother. I mean, that is the potential of the arcade genre that you can take it in all kinds of wacky directions. I mean, you go back to our interview with uh, Andy Hull, creator of Dunk Lords, back in episode 357, how he talked about how one of the, one of his inspirations for Dunk Lords was to go really crazy with it and to take it beyond what NBA Jam had done. And, and obviously this, this may be a little bit closer to what NBA Jam has done, but it's also, in itself, it's also got a lot of creativity taken in a different direction. You've got this futuristic setting rather than the NBA setting, You've got uh, all these other players. Apparently, the baseball players are going to be able to dunk at home with their bats, you know, <laughs> whack it in with their bats, and or the hockey players with their with their hockey sticks and everything. So they're going to have special abilities based on their sport. Uh, I think similar to what they did with the rink, with basketball players and whatnot, with the with the rink. So 
yeah, there's, there's going to be all kinds of creativity that you can do with that and different strategies, I suppose. And again, which players do you have? Do you stick to the NBA players is, and the WNBA players and their basketball abilities? Or do you play basketball with some special abilities of other sports? I mean, I, I, I imagine with the uh, with the football players, the soccer players, that is, that, uh, that they'll probably be able to, uh, you know, it's, it's a kickball violation normally in basketball, but they're probably going to be able to kick some goals as well, maybe from long range. So... It sounds like there's going to be all kinds of crazy stuff with that, and and I'm I'm open to that. I mean, will it necessarily be the NBA Jam experience that I'm nostalgic for? Probably not, but in fact, definitely not. From the sounds of it, it's going to be very different. But will it create new memories? Will I be able to get on board with it? Hopefully, and it certainly sounds very intriguing. Very, you know, it sounds like it could be a lot of fun. Definitely worth checking out. Like I say, Apple Arcade, then coming to Steam, um, and of course, if it's on Steam, Derek, maybe we can mod it. Who knows? Uh, I mean, we'll definitely be able to mod it more, um, you know, more than likely. I, we'll I think uh, Steam is get gets me really excited. I think um, if it re- displays the success they want, they'll also bring it to console, right? That's that's my um, my thought. I mean, even Andy Hull was saying, you know, when he was talking about Dunk Lords, that they wanted to uh, bring that to consoles as well. And I can't remember the other game that we were talking about, but they were talking about trying to get it to consoles as well and it was i think it was another basketball title but yeah i think it's um oh yeah basketball classics right didn't of they course, wanna, yeah yeah exactly basketball classics they wanted to be on consoles uh because pro- uh, a lot of it probably because of the success that they saw and the feedback that they saw from being on, on steam you know other platforms and whatnot so no i'm excited about it i'll definitely be buying it the, the day it comes out uh we need more arcade basketball games so i'm i'm pumped and again, if, if it does pave the way for return for NBA Jam, for NBA Street, for more creative titles, thinking outside the box. I mean, Playgrounds was nice to have. Uh, you, you've had a bit more fun with it because you've been able to play a bit more multiplayer. Um, than, than I've enjoyed it when I've been able to play with my cousin. You were able to get together with your brothers a bit more often, obviously, and, and have more fun that way. But, but, but as you said, there, there are some issues with Playgrounds, the shorter season, the, the grind, having to unlock the players, having that pack style for so many players, um, you know, it, it's not just a case of unlocking special players or, or playing through the mode and unlocking secret players or whatnot. It's basically having to collect the entire league, the entire collection of players, and then play with them to get to get them maximum abilities. It was just too much. So I think sometimes it's... As, as much as that can, can make it deeper, it can also be very phony in its depth. So I think there's something very special about giving that old school style of just, I'm assuming this is going to be an old school style, of just being having these players, maybe you unlock them by playing through the game and they've already got their abilities and their special and, and their ratings are intact. Just that straightforward arcade basketball experience as far, from that perspective. And then you can change it up with various gameplay elements, of course, but don't have to worry about grinding and collecting and random drops and loot boxes or any, any kind of uh, mechanics like that. Because we've just seen so much of it. So anytime a game can go back to basics and just focus on fun, the actual experience of playing the game, it's which really should be the the point always. But we we know how the how the uh, how the industry has gone. But when it, when they can uh, when they can avoid that, when they can eschew all those recurrent revenue mechanics and everything else, and just put that straightforward experience out there, it's very special. So no, I, I'm keen. The best games I've ever played are the ones that you can just jump into. And have a good time. Absolutely. Uh, the ones where uh, you could revisit a game 
that you haven't played. I'm going to give a new, do another baseball reference. MLB 08, the show. You can play a game that you haven't played in years and you can just pick it up, jump into a game and you're like, man, this is fun. And you adapt to it quickly. The gameplay is very fair to the user. The gameplay makes sense. The button uh, buttons make sense, uh, et cetera. And you can just jump in and have a good time. And there's a lot of games that are kind of like that. And, you know, I will use for NBA, NBA 2K11. You can jump into NBA 2K11 and it just makes sense. You, you jump on the court, you play, the buttons make sense, the gameplay overall makes sense, you can go up and down the floor and have a good time. So, yeah, I mean, that's why NBA Live has struggled so much in the past, in the recent past, is because their first impression, I'm not going to, it sucked yeah. in a lot of ways. The first impression for so many different lives, whether they were releasing a demo or, you know, games like Live 07, like when you first put your hands on the sticks, something felt off. It didn't feel right. Uh, the mechanics didn't feel right, etc. So yeah, it's just it's vital. It's vi- the the best games, like I said, the best games I've ever played are ones that you can pick up, enjoy right away, and then even years later revisit, and they're just still great. And again, not having to grind, not having to just put in the work to actually enjoy it. I it, I know obviously you shouldn't be powerful out of the gate because part of the journey is to build the player and whatnot, or to to unlock rewards to play through the you don't want to just skip straight to the the boss or the end of the game or whatever or, or just be overpowered from the beginning so that there's no challenge whatsoever but at the same time you know it's, it's something we've talked about so many times before is that the it becomes a chore and a chore you have to repeat year after year and it's obviously one you can skip if you pay and and jim sterling again has brought this up many times on their show is that if you can pay to skip then it doesn't say much about the actual gameplay itself. Like it, it, it should be part of the journey. And if that journey is not important, if you're not playing to get better at the game, if you're not playing to establish establish chemistry, establish skill and techniques, if, if it's just about paying to get your ratings up, then it's, it doesn't say much for the game design. And, and in that, to the, I mean, to that point, I've actually played a bit of the W online this weekend i was i jumped on there with kenny he's he suggested it as a change of pace and the w online is, is the connected part of the w which is the career mode for uh for the, for the WNBA in 2k21 next gen and when you create that player derek uh, she is 75 overall as opposed to 60 overall in the nba part of my career the nba my career the traditional one uh, you don't have there's no vc as you earn xp she levels up from 75 to about 79 or at least the build that i made to 82 is very streamlined uh it, it progresses very quickly and it, they've obviously done this plus the way the w online works they've done this because they anticipate fewer people playing it and, and that's clearly the case um from the looks of things but the way they've done it it reminds you that you could you can design a game this way you don't have to make a game a brutal grind you can do it that way it's not that games need it; it's the suits that want it that way, and it, and from right, it hurts their bottom. Line. It hurts their bottom line. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's... It's it's not a design thing. It's not like oh, you need to do it, and and clearly these games make a lot of money. You know, they make a lot of money. So it's it's not that they need to do it to survive, uh, because and and also yeah. because people say oh, the cost of producing a game, but all these recurrent revenue profits, they are they are bonuses for the suits. This has been demonstrated time and time again 
they don't go into the servers they don't go into, don't go to the hardworking developers they don't some of them cover the costs of production of course but when it comes down to it the pushing hard for as much money as possible is so the suits can get some nice bonuses some nice raises it doesn't Imagine benefit the game at all it's wild you know i want to go back to the the point you made about uh, you know and jim sterling made about paying to get ahead if you when you have to pay to get ahead and pay to skip to be skilled that's what it is a lot of it paying to be skilled paying to um to to bypass the work that it takes to compete and be skilled and just paying for it that's sad i i, I just find that incredibly sad it's, and it's, it's unfortunately, it, it's, those players, yeah. right? And unfortunately, out of the gate, those players are the ones who dominate. That they set uh, the competitive balance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's and that's and ends up being the standard. Well, and that, that's, that, the that's why we say, other, you know, right. when, when people say when it's optional, it is. But if you choose not to, there are some harsh drawbacks. That's the point. Of course, it's optional. You know, you don't have to. But if you don't, this is what you're going to have to deal with. Right, exactly. That that pressure is very real, and mm. it's also preying on teenagers. It is it so, is. and college students. And it, so. it's a, it's a poor a poorer game design all around. It, it's a weaker game design because you're not making it so that it's a a fun and engaging journey to get to go from this prospect to this NBA star. It's either a harsh grind or one that you can pay to skip. It's it's you don't, so you're not designing this really. I mean, you've got the story there. But from the gameplay perspective, the the journey's not really worthwhile, and it's not re- not as rewarding as it should be. The reward system, the mind rep system, is all over the place. And again, the fact that the W is not done this way, and again, it's done that way because fewer people are playing it. But I, I see that and think, well, this is actually very refreshing because it's the first time in probably since about two K twelve, two yeah, two K because two K thirteen did have VC. That was the first year for VC. Really, for the first time since 2K12, and even that had a lot of grinding, that we actually have this pure mode that's based on simulating a player's career, what it's like to be a WNBA player, and has this connected mode where microtransactions don't exist. So again, they can do it. They could choose to do it. They could also choose to do it. If they're going to do it, they could choose to do it in a way that's not as harsh and, and pressuring as they do. But they want to make their money. They want to make their recurrent revenue. They want to make all those profits. The suits want all that money. So they're going to do it that way. And the game suffers as a result. But it's quite interesting, you know, playing the, the W, having that kind of pure experience, as I say. It was, uh, I, again, you know, not to, to harp on the point, but very refreshing. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah, the women's uh, game in NBA 2K21 also plays better than the men's game. Plays pretty well, yeah. Although I, yeah, will, I will say that I was missing a lot of layups, so I turned shot timing to shots only, not layups. I, I really think there is something wrong with timed layups. In oh, shot t- oh, no, we already talked about that. They already know. I mean, they wouldn't have made shots only the default setting in NBA 2K21 if it wasn't, you know, for timing, if it wasn't, there wasn't an issue with layup timing. Because remember, they said there were tweets from Mike Wang and um, Dazar saying that layup timing is coming back, right? Like that was going to be the thing with NBA 2K21 next gen and then all of a sudden they made it so the default setting is shots only. Yep. And we saw that when we played against each other um and you were making layups with the 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 cursor being way outside of the window and then you were missing layups with it in the window. 
So I think they know that the the shot timing, excuse me, the layup timing is broken in the uh, game. Yeah, I, I think so, we're, yeah. we're going to get a developer blog for 2K22 that admits it. I reckon. Exactly. It will be. It will be during the preview season of NBA 2K22. You'll see a developer blog that says we we realized early on that the layup timing was you know faulty or something like that. They'll word it in a certain way. Uh, yeah. and, and all the people who have spent the last few months saying, get good, you just you just suck at the game, there's no problems with the layups, uh, the, you know, they're not going to eat their words, are they? They're, they're not going to admit they were wrong. No. I mean, it's the same thing when you call people out on Twitter for this, um, the other, you know, basketball takes and everything. They'll never respond to you. All, and, you know, you can come at them with data, you can come at them with facts, visual evidence, all of that, all of that stuff. They'll never admit it. And they'll just continue along their ways. Um just, people won't admit when they're wrong. No, they're just—it's ridiculous. So, the other thing about the W one line is it's uh, two players. You can, you can play it with two players or three, uh, and it's against the CPU. And I would love to have an NBA version of this because, again, you you just don't deal with the toxicity. You just jump on there with a couple of friends and and play. Now, there's no matchmaking. There's no team up as such. You basically have to go into the W online at the same time and hope that you'll be matched up. Now, because there's not so many people playing that, especially on the Australian servers, or the Australian servers rather, that uh, Kenny and I were able to team up every single time we hit go into the W online. But there's no actual team up. There's no... Uh, you, you can't squad up like you can in the city or the neighbourhood in, uh, in 2K21 current gen and next gen. So it's, it's missing functionality like that. And it would be nice to add that. And but it would nice to be it would be very nice to get an NBA version where, where again you can just team up and play against some CPU opponents, something like that. Uh, it, it's a very simple concept, but again, it doesn't make the game doesn't it doesn't really make money for the game. And unfortunately, as Two K has demonstrated, if it doesn't make money, it, it doesn't become a focus. I understand. Again, we we know it's a business, of course, but it, it's a shame when that when, whenever the business side of it gets in the way of a really cool feature or making the game better. That is a problem. That is bad business. But but yeah, the the W online. I'd love to have an NBA version of it. Uh, it, it does need some proper squatting up options, uh, similar to what they have in NBA Live, when you can uh, you can go five against the CPU. The live events allow, for example. So it can be done. So I'd love to see uh, 2K adopt something like that for the NBA side of things. But but also keep the the W as well and the W online. But I, I was just it's it's so refreshing again to see this mode where that's not dominated by microtransactions, uh, an online team play mode where you can just jump on with a, a friend or two and play three on three against the CPU and not have to deal with the toxicity of meta, all the meta gaming and all, all the people getting on, getting on the open chat and, and, and yelling out slurs and things like that. It's just, it was just a lot of fun to play a few games with Kenny like that. And, and really at the end of the day, that's what basketball games should be. What video gaming in general should be is about having fun and not not work, not grinding, not not all the other mess that has made games so toxic, so just 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 not fun in recent years. So and and you know having to seek out the experiences. I was, I mean, is it something that I would play very often? Probably not. I probably will gravitate towards something more like my team in the NBA oriented modes. But no, I'm I'm glad that I played it. I will play it again. I'm sure. But I would love to have more of that stuff on the NBA side of things. The, uh, there's something really refreshing as well about playing on the same team against the computer. And 
it's something that my brothers and I do every weekend. My brother Nick and I do. We have multiple seasons against the computer. Um, there's something less stressful um, and more fun at times than playing on the same team, um, trying to accomplish a, go- a goal against the AI. And um, I love hearing stories of people playing on the same team, whether it's in arcade hoops or in NBA sim hoops. And they're, you know, working together to reach a common goal, whether it's statistically winning championships, all of the above, etc. Um, some of our best gaming memories over the last few years has been my brother Nick and I um, and all three of us, my two, my two brothers and I playing on the same team. Um, a couple of us locking on players, the other per, um, other brother, you know, using the rest of them and just having a blast playing against the computer. Uh, you don't have the same fighting amongst each other, um, the same level of um, at times hate <laughs> towards the sure. game and each other and whatnot. And, you know, we've been doing those seasons since NBA Live, you know, 96, you know, in 97 and all of that stuff on the same team. So it's it's heartwarming, I'll say, to me to hear stories of other people, you know, utilizing that aspect of gaming. Again, you know, I, I, I agree, and, and hearing those stories of you and your brothers, because that's what my cousin Clinton and I would try and do in the holidays. We'd try and play with every single team in NBA Jam Tournament Edition, try to beat every team as well. I think a couple of times you try to beat everyone with everyone, certainly stuff like that, playing through seasons in NBA Live to, uh, co- uh, co-op. And yeah, like you, I found that more fun than going up against... I mean, I'd go up against friends and things in NBA Jam, but with my cousin, I'd, I'd always play... Uh, cooperatively and, and found that uh, a lot more fun like you say you don't have those the fights you don't have that frustration with the computer because you can kind of have that shared frustration if something happens you can laugh about it commiserate about it together uh, you don't sort of have that ill feeling if somebody is uh, that you sometimes have in multiplayer certainly certainly on online these days but even in uh, couch cop or couch um, competitive rather back in the day that somebody who's using an exploit you know that person that's using the the uh, the cheating method or whatever that you've agreed not right, to use, but they're using it. <laughs> now you can just use exploits together. Yeah, right? well, that's right. Yeah, and it, it, it becomes about it, it's less about competition. Some people say, "Oh, what's the point of that?" Look, you, you, we all play games different ways. Sometimes it is for competition. Sometimes it's for completion, for for story, for a sense of fulfillment. There's a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of ways you can enjoy basketball video games, and, and none of them are wrong. Um, I mean, certainly, if you're trying to impose, if you're trying to impede someone else's fun, if you're hacking online or something like that, I'd say, well, okay, you're when you're cheating like that, you're not playing above board. But as as far as the different ways that you can play legitimately, there's there's no wrong way to enjoy games. But yeah, I know, I, I totally get where you're coming from when you say you enjoy that more than going up against each other because some some games are fun to go to to verse one another to be competitive, but others, the co-op is is what it's all about. Right, exactly. I, we definitely mix it up. Like the MLB 20, the show season we're about to start is going to be against each other. You know, when we play Madden, we play against each other. Uh, tennis um, games, we play against each other. Or sometimes we play doubles on the same team um, and try to beat challenges on that. For basketball games, we have our NBA 2K16 season, which is all against each other using our own teams, playing against each other for every game. And then we have the 2K17 season where we're all on the same team. It's just nothing beats playing with another human in person, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, we cherish all of it. But uh, but co-op online is, is pretty good too, especially against the CPU. 
it's it's very hit and miss. A lot a lot more miss than hit these days um, against other opponents online because of the lack of matchmaking. And it just goes to show that the rest of 2K online and the connected experiences could be a lot better than they are. And it's but it, because it is so driven by recurrent revenue, because there is that lack of matchmaking, that lack of balance, so much of a, a meta gaming where everybody is making the same builds. That, that, so it's very a very homogenized style of play because that's if you want to win, that's how you have to play. It's it's not just us complaining. You see see it a lot on the official uh, 2K subreddit. So it, we're not just two grumpy old men complaining about this, uh, Derek. There, there are some serious problems with 2K's competitive scene. But uh, if you if you can avoid that and have some multiplayer fun, so much the better. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, those those aren't secrets. Like like you said, there's a lot of complaints out there. Um, a lot of improvements that they can make. A lot of things that they can do that are more fair to the gamer. So with that being said, uh, we will now move on to our mailbag this week. Have a couple of questions. As always, thank you for submitting them. You can submit them via our social media channels, which we'll be reading out at the end of the show. Of course, also send them to podcast at nba-live.com. A couple of questions this week, as always. First one from uh, Swaggy P. Lino. This uh, shout out to you, Swaggy. This is coming from last week. And as we said, we will roll over any questions that we don't get to. But uh, Swaggy asks, if NBA Live is to make a triumphant return to the basketball gaming genre, what developmental commitments would be necessary for this hypothetical event to be true? We have touched a little bit on what NBA Live needs to do, but uh, this is kind of a different angle for it, Derek. So, so yeah, what kind of uh, commitments does it have to make, uh, I suppose, in, in direction and, and whatnot, to, uh, to be really, really make that, as, uh, as Swaggy says, that triumphant return? Um gameplay being the number one priority um depth mode depth being uh, it's one b um modes mode depth so you know gameplay having that we just talked about this uh, you know that pick up and play great experience um less bugs more nba action uh you know something that people get their hands on and it's 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 different than than 2k it feels unique but it feels like basketball and that the player has the control that they need. The 1B aspect of it is having that roster editing, that mode depth, putting the NBA back into NBA Live, still keeping those great bones that people liked about the 1. Um, maybe even keep court battles if you want, because a lot of people did like that and that customization around it. Um, but, you know, get those modes back in and that depth back in that you had even, you know, a couple decades ago and put that, you know, pay pay tribute to the legends, to to retro, uh, in in a capacity that's outside of Ultimate Team, etc. But that's really how they're going to make their triumphant return. Get get a game, you know. So those are one A and one B. But then you know, I would say one C. Do the appropriate job marketing your damn game. Mm. Market the hell out of your game. Get NBA Live people and be alive in people's heads, you know, reach out to those influencers and, you know, people that actually care, by the way, you know, like people like you and, and, um, get their hands, have them get their hands on pre-release gameplay and show off that game, get videos, hundreds of videos up on YouTube, get people looking at it and saying, Hey, wait, this looks really good. Oh, wait, you can do this in this game. Oh, look at this customization that you're allowed to do. You couldn't do that in more recent live games. Oh, look, this 2k doesn't have this. Oh, they're bringing the one back. Like get people with, um, tens of thousands and even millions of followers, uh, you know, getting their hands on this pre-release, uh, game and promote the hell out of it 
put NBA Live in people's heads. And so I would say that's 1A, 1B, and 1C. All of those are incredibly vital for Live to make a triumphant return to the basketball gaming space and actually compete with 2K. And to the point of reaching out to the influencers, I totally agree. Obviously, from a selfish standpoint, I would love to be a part of that. I think we could be very valuable to EA. You know, that would be my pitch. But the other thing, and I've said this in our previous show, that there's a lot of people out there that have been bashing Live. They've been delighting in its failures. And you can see it's not just criticism, which, I mean, harsh criticism is one thing because the games have brought that upon themselves. But the people that are delighting in it, they're dancing on the game's grave. They're, they're putting out those snarky comments. They've hitched their bandwagon to, to 2K. They've joined the 2K bandwagon, and which, which is fine. Obviously, that's if you're going to get exposure, then right now you, you do jump on 2K. But they've done it in a way that's very much really just, you know, let's, let's be blunt, pissing on NBA Live, you know, just dancing on its grave. So I hope that those people, frankly, don't get access because they've just been bashing the game. It's not, not uh, constructive criticism, just flat out bashing the game, pissing on it. And so I, I well, hope they'll, that... be, they'll be the first ones, though, that constantly praise it in, in order to get to the good graces oh, if yeah. it becomes... Uh, and I hope that EA looks at that and they, they, they pull a, a Willy Wonka from the Chocolate Factory, you know. You, uh, you stole fizzy lifted drinks. Good day, sir. You know, <laughs> nothing for you. You lose. I, I hope they pull that and, uh, because they, they do not deserve access because they have not... And not, not because they have been... Uh, because they have refused to suck up, although they have been sucking up to 2K, some of them. Uh, not because they haven't been that, because they just haven't been fair. They, they've... You know, it, it's one thing to be harsh but fair, and there's another thing to just be so so biased, so... So, again, delighting in lies failures when, and we've seen what that's done to the basketball gaming space. They can't, or, or they, they won't admit it if they can. So I, I, I really hope that they do not deserve, so I'm just, you know, call it sour grapes or, or, or ego on my part, but they do not, you know, there's a lot of people, not just us, but there's other people in the community, other content creators that deserve to have that their voices heard and to be involved with the return of NBA Live ahead of these shills, these 2K shills, that have just been, again, pissing on NBA Live, putting it down, not giving constructive feedback, not even giving good critiques of the game, let alone give, not, you know, put aside giving feedback to the developers, just being able to talk about the game in a way that, and, and criticize it in a way that actually demonstrates knowledge of virtual basketball. They, they deserve Listen, no access. Listen, I don't care if I get paid a penny for it. Get the pre-release game in my hands in the live king's hands in your le- in your hands and you can write up some bang up articles on it that look just that that talk about the features and you can dive into it and you'll talk about them realistically the goods and the bads and 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 what you're looking forward to and all that stuff live king and i can g- get on there and make some great gameplay videos i can make you know like i like i've made for my channel in the past and make the game really look look good and stand out and talk about it realistically and all of that stuff and he can make some you know he's made some awesome trailers for games and awesome stuff like his victor oladipo set for nba live 19 his his video for him like get it in the hands of people that care and they will promote the hell out of the game and they'll do it realistically and with and with style and that's more important. Substance is, you know, quality is important. Substance and quality. And a lot of that, you know, the best quality usually comes from somebody who's passionate. Hmm. 
who Absolutely. actually care. So, and I also agree with everything you said. The the one A, the one B, and the one C. There, they do have to market the game. They do need to have make sure it has the depth. Uh, they do need to make sure that it has the the gameplay it needs to be up to scratch. Um, on the subject of court battles, I mean that 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 is an idea that they should keep, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with with the W being user versus the CPU. Although it still has that online component, that multiplayer component, in so much as it you have you're going up against other people's teams that they've stacked, they've put that team together. So you you've, you've still got you're, you're defending your court against other people and trying to win trying to win their court and there's still that 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 multiplayer aspect of having to set up the defense and go on the offense but the gameplay itself is all you versus the cpu i really like that idea uh court battles it did get a bit repetitive and of course there are issues with live 19's gameplay which is why i didn't play it more than i did but again it's a really great concept uh definitely bring that back on top of everything else so we've talked before about the, the importance, and you, and you outlined it there, the importance of gameplay, the importance of depth, absolutely what needs to happen. And again, yes, to market it. The thing that I really think they need to commit to with the development of uh, the next live and, and making it uh, making the triumphant return, it has to, man, it really has to impress. It needs to be next gen. And that sounds very you know cliche, but the fact of the matter is, you know, Live 14 came out and people said, this kind of looks like the Xbox 360. And that was selling it a little bit short. But you look at Live over the past generation, certainly Live 14, 15, you look at it graphically. And yes, it kind of looks a little bit between 360 PS3 and X1 PS4. The, when they come back, it, it can't look like a game that we could have got 10 years ago. It, it just can't. And it can't play like a game that we could have got 10 years ago. It can't have features that we uh, that we had 10 years ago. I mean, it needs, it needs some of the staple features there, but it, it can't be uh, the depth. It certainly can't be uh, <laughs> lack the depth of, of a game from 10 years ago. It has to be suitably next-gen. It has to impress from the moment the first trailer comes. It, it needs its own OMG trailer, basically. They need to have a game that, that is worthy of of the current hardware worthy of this generation that is just so far beyond anything we've seen before. We, we can't have another rebuilding Insert. project. We, we can't Max, have another rebuilding project. Yeah, exactly. You know, maximize the use of the tech. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Short, if, yeah. if, if you have that tech, you, you utilize the, the resources, utilize the cap the, the capabilities of that tech and to the max. That's it. That's it. That's how you're going to come out swinging. You know what I mean? And that's everything from, you know, your caches, you know, what what you can hold in the game, what you can reach graphically, um, what you can re reach for data, like I said, data, you know, holding, etc. Like, maximize that. Put your time and resources into the game and, and into understanding the tech and utilizing it to the best of its capabilities. And of course, you know, bring back all those features, bring back the things that worked in the past. That goes without saying, although we'll say it again just to emphasize it, but Say NBA Live 22 comes out, NBA Live 23, people, it, it cannot be. And look, some people are going to make their snarky comments either way. Forget them. But people who have got a reasonable take on the games and are willing to give NBA Live a chance and willing to judge it on its merits and, and, and give it a chance, they cannot say, you, you cannot give them a reason to say, this looks like NBA Live 15 and plays like NBA Live 08. It can't. It, it simply cannot no, be a generation behind. 
Uh, no, it needs to, it can't be, oh, well, this is a combination of, no, it, this needs to be a fresh experience. It needs to be the turning of the corner. It needs to be the anti-NBA Live 07. <laughs> like, it, 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 it needs to be beyond any, focus on beyond any NBA Live we've seen before. So it's, that we can say, no NBA Live has played this good. No, 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 right, exactly. no, no NBA Live has had a, a complement of modes this good. Maybe give or take mode. I mean, look, if you've got a pretty good dynasty or, or franchise mode, and you've got the playoffs mode, you've got roster editing, and you've got great gameplay, maybe you don't have All Star Weekend straight, and you've got the online modes and everything. Maybe you don't have All Star Weekend straight away. Even 2K doesn't have that right now. It would be a nice hook, but okay. So the, there's probably going to be some things that they can add in future years. There's only so much you can do, even in a few years of development. But that being said, yeah, it just cannot feel like a game we could have had 10, 15 years ago. If it does, then people are going to say, well, what's the point of this tech? What was the point of waiting? What was the point of even coming back? Uh, EA has got to give people no chance to say that. Only the most bitter, jaded haters who are trying to, who are only seeing what they want to see should be able to nitpick like that. That's what they need. I agree. Uh, I, I the basketball gaming scene, in my opinion, is to become incredibly sto- uh, toxic. Um, I think that it's become a popularity contest between influencers. I think it's become a um, a basically get rid of criticisms about this game atmosphere. Uh, I think that it's caused the game not to improve in many different ways over the years as well. Um, yeah, there's there's just so many issues in the basketball discussion scene, the influencer scene, um, etc. And everybody, instead of wanting the game to improve and being fair to the gamer and all of that stuff, people want a piece of that pie, right? They want their perks. They want to be able to get a ton of YouTube views. They want to be able to um, be part of the cool culture of the 2K cool culture and everything. And Have an in-game logo. Right. They want their logos. They want all of this stuff. So, yeah, uh, I think that it'd be very healthy for another competitor to actually come into the space. And I've said this before. I don't care if it's EA Sports. They have the best bones in place to get that job done. Realistically, right yeah. Now. Uh, um, from a financial standpoint, from a development standpoint, all of that stuff from a bone standpoint. Um, and like I said, I truly believe that they've been working on it over the last couple of years. But I don't care who the company is that comes in. We need competition and we need, you know, fairness to the gamer and we need something fresh. And I hope it happens. And, you know, that's, that's another the point you brought up, the fairness. If that, that is a way that live can set itself apart from 2K. We've seen a little bit of that with the last generation. Of course, it also needs to have that appeal that it's been lacking as well. But as, as well as building that appeal, uh, it, it can if it can focus on that core basketball gaming experience that traditional basketball gaming experience that i mean 2k is is now trying to compete with fortnite and gta online and everything else so it's starting to get pulled in many directions to the point where basketball sometimes seems secondary if if nba live can can focus on that basketball experience if, if they can commit to having that traditional experience i mean you're gonna have to cater to some of that stuff to some extent but if they simply focus on you know making basketball the number one priority that is that is the way that I think they can make a triumphant return as well. No, absolutely. And we talked about this, that they want a lot of people over with the one, mm. with that mode. 
um, in the way that they were more fair um, in the online aspects of the game and everything, and even in the ultimate team mode, et cetera, for NBA Live 19. So they already won some people over with that, and I think that they need to continue down that that, that route when they re- release a new game. Definitely. I agree. So next question comes from Lady Culture. Shout out to Lady Culture as always, and of course our good friend Swaggy D. Lino. But uh, Lady Culture has another challenge for us, Derek, uh, to Frankenstein a basketball game. It is not uh, <laughs> it, it is not uh, Halloween yet. That is many months away, although the way time flies these days, it'll be October before we know it. That being said, uh, build our ultimate basketball game, Frankenstein basketball game, if you will, using only elements of different games of the past by year. Choose graphics, presentation, shot mechanic, offensive gameplay. Uh, I have to take one as the whole package of shooting example, so we can't take... Uh, for example, 2K7's shooting and 2K15's AI. It has to be gameplay from just one. Uh, defensive gameplay, again, it's just the whole package from one game. Uh, animations, computer AI, franchise and season mode, retro content, online modes, and cover athlete. So we're Frankensteining a game, pulling in those uh, categories, basically, pulling it together, and making our ultimate game. And uh, she also then would like us to turn it over to the uh, to our listeners to give uh, feedback on whose game they'd rather play, yours or mine. Sounds like a fun game. Uh, let's play. Yeah, and I, I think the best way to do this is not to hem and haw between each one. I think we should go with our gut. I Agreed. think we go through the list um, and we basically just say, you know, what first comes to mind as far as, and then people can decide which game they would rather play. So if you um, if you want me to start, if you could read each one, and I'll just give you a quick answer. Okay. That's probably yeah. the way to go. Uh, graphics. Yeah, so much for the quick answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. I thought I had this in the bag. I thought I was going to be able to fly through this. Um, I really like NBA 2K19's graphics right now, so I'm going to say 2K19. I actually probably have to agree. I, w- I won't copy a few exam paper throughout. But I will say 2K19, because uh, I was a big, yeah, big fan of that game. Types. I know we're supposed to be giving quick answers. I think the, the body types look pretty good. I like the lighting. Uh, when players go up to the line, it just looks amazing. Uh, I'd say graphics overall, I'd say probably 2K19. Uh, presentation. That's funny. I, I actually really like um, NBA 2K11. Well, actually, 2K8 through 2K14. I really like the presentation of those games. Um, presentation. Uh, so much for a quick answer. I'll, I'll hit you with one that you that may surprise you and others. Yeah, go ahead. You can answer first, yeah. NCAA Basketball 10. Multiple networks. Oh, that does have... Mo- uh, real that networks. Has, that has, real networks, two of yeah, them. Yeah, but she's talking about NBA, though, because this is a Frankenstein game. Are you saying that put NBA elements into the NCAA presentation? Uh, well, I, I'm taking, yeah, I'm, 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 that's what I'm saying, yeah. I mean, if, if, it, if, it, if it was just, if I have to go NBA for an NBA game, I'd probably go something like a, I'd probably even go, maybe even Live 18, simply because it has that full, it has pretty good ESPN presentation, it's got Jalen Rose doing the halftime, it's, it's got uh, Jeff Van Gundy and Mike Breen, so it, and it actually has the ESPN branding. But I do like the, the NCAA Basketball 10 approach of having real networks, two real networks, uh, having the different styles and, and, and the proper wipes and everything else for it. 
Um, so yeah, I, I would take that style. If, if we're just going the style, obviously I, I do. I'm thinking NBA, but an NBA version of NCAA Basketball 10. Yeah, I'm going to go with NBA 2K10 actually with given more thought for presentation um, because they had the amazing crowd atmosphere um, during the games. The best I think I've seen in a video game. It just keeps you pumped all game. Uh, I like the options that you have presentation wise for the the player reel and all of that stuff at the end of the game uh the the highlights all of that so yeah i'm actually going to go with 2k10 presentation I, I do like live 10 because it does have some very good presentation that is very realistic and, and of course it has marv albert as well and uh and, and you've got the, the the different crowd reactions the different atmosphere settings that they introduced that year uh, for live 10. Live 10. But that being said, it doesn't have a real broadcast. Uh, it doesn't actually have real licensing. And I, I think that's very important as well. That, that's the one, as, as good as 2K's presentation has been, that's the one thing that has been missing since it lost the ESPN license is an actual real network. And, the, you, know, for, you know, Kevin Harlan for 2K Sports, it works. But I think there's something special about actually having proper network branding in the game. Yeah, now, now you've got me thinking Live 10 or 2K 10. Both had great presentation. Um, you know what? Let's go with... Um, I'm going to go with Live 10 for now. Live 10? Okay. Go with- We've both gone for the uh, 2010 games there. <laughs> An NBA spin on the uh, NCAA Basketball 10 for me. Uh, shot mechanic. Uh, 2K17. Yeah, same. Hands. Yeah, no, I, I, it hasn't been better than that. Uh, the, the, the combination of uh, stick aiming with the with the release, the... The size of the meter. Uh, the I mean, the, the only drawback is the the guarded shot, the protected shot. But otherwise, yeah. that's the only weakness. I mean, as far as like choosing your hand on which side of the rim to finish on, uh, you know, going um, baseline for reverse layups, uh, you know, fadeaways in, in the post, and the use of the stick in the post. That's just for me. It's just hands down. Well, the, you know, see that well, that shot mechanic, and we have an animations late later. Shall we say? I mean, that's that is a mechanic of sorts. But if you remove those animations and still have that shot mechanic. Yeah, that's that's kind of two different categories there. So, I, yeah, I can stick with 2K17. Yeah. And also from the presentation side, not to, like, make this segment too long, but, you know, I'm also thinking Live 16 because people forget. Listen, i got to tell you, listening to Jeff Van Gundy and Mike Breen is actually kind of fun. <laughs> and uh, they have the ESPN scoreboard, and I think that game, um, from an atmosphere standpoint, with the way the crowd's into it, really stands out. And uh like the halftime show and all like i think live 16 is underrated from a presentation aspect so i'm in between live 16 and live 10 but yeah we can continue so we both said 2k17 for shot mechanic uh offensive gameplay in general offensive gameplay uh so this is basically the whole package passing shooting so controls and mechanics everything else yeah i still i still have 2k17 in there and i think um you'll see why it works with the defense that um, we're going to discuss in a second. So yeah, I'd say 2K17 overall feels the best for me. I'm, I'm going to say 2K16 only because of 2K17's charge issue, the cheap charges, especially online. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, defensive gameplay. 2K19. If you combine 2K17's feel on offense, or even 2K16, but 2K17's feel on offense, uh, the dribbling uh, and whatnot, and the the feel of 
you know, shooting with the stick and the pace and all of that stuff. And you put that with NBA 2K19's great balance on defense where blow-bys aren't exaggerated, but you can still get players on your side like in real life. It eliminates the brick wall defense that was in 2K17. Um, I, I think combining 2K17's offense with 2K19's defense would just be awesome for a game. I'm going to go with 2K15 because I love the the rotations on in 2K15 the, the, and the help defense. Is awesome. Yeah, I just want to point out if I, I I could put 2K15 for offense and defense and still think that it was a pretty yeah, pretty good choice. Yeah. Yeah. So I might go a combination of 16 and 15. I do like 19. Uh, I like it more than 20 and 21 because you don't have the speed issues where the CPU feels faster. So 2K19 is uh, was certainly at least a little bit better in that respect. So I, I could definitely play that, but I'm going to go with 2K15. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the one thing underrated about 2K15 is how much better players move off the ball too. Yeah, um, oh, and, absolutely. And, I mean, I'm tempted to put that for my... I'm, I'm tempted for the, for uh, for the offense as well, but I think 2K16 was when we had the three pass buttons, possibly. Yeah, uh, 2K16 also had the four size ups. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go with uh, with 16 for offense and 15 for defense. Uh, animations. Uh, 2K19, other than the um, skating. Mm. So 2K19 has some of the best driving animations I've ever seen. Um, and they look so realistic, and there's just so many of them. Uh, the problem is is that sometimes shooting in NBA 2K19 feels a little bit rushed, and that's part of animations. Um but as far as like a total package, as far as how pleasing the animations are and how, how well they work for the game, actually, that's very tough. I got to be honest because 2K6, I don't think I can choose 2K19 because of the skating and because of the way the shooting feels and because of the change of direction being a little bit wonky. It's got to be for me between 2K15, 2K16, and 2K17. And I'd say animations-wise... It might be 2K16. Hmm. I think that 2K16 has the most balance. It had, like I said, it has the four size ups. The movement makes sense. Um, there's still some great looking moves at the hoop, um, getting challenged by defenders or finishing up over the top of them. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say 2K16 animation was. I as mad as it seems, I was originally tossing up 2K21 next gen. And I know that sounds crazy because we have some sliding and we have some other issues with pull-up jumpers and whatnot. But of course, we're taking the shooting mechanics from 2K17, so maybe it wouldn't be an issue. With 2K21 Next Gen, you've also got some incredible uh, contact dunk animations and contact alley-oops and some uh, alley-oops off the backboard as well. Uh, to Not just self-alley-oops, but uh, alley-oops off the backboard to a teammate. So you've got some, so you've got some more moves there, some more animations. But again, as you as you alluded to, with after eighteen to twenty one, you do have that sliding. You've got, especially in the last couple of years, those weird pull ups, some of the jerky shooting motions. So it's like, is that going to be? A, uh, will that still be the case if we're combining that with two K seventeen shot mechanics? I'm not sure. I, I might err on the side of caution and say two K seventeen, because of, apart from my only real complaint about two K seventeen is that the charge issue really. But apart from that, I, I will take a lot from 2K17. Yeah, I'm, I'm having issues with it because it's like 2K16 or 2K17 or both. 
I'm going to stick with 2K16 for right now, but I, I'm saying that it could be a tie with 2K17, animations-wise. So, uh, computer AI? I think that 2K19 might have the best um, computer AI as far as the, the way they jump out at defenders. Uh, and, like, if you're if you're moving the ball and you think that you have an open shot, you can still, the defender can still react the way that they're supposed to and they really get out to the shooters. It makes it really challenging. Uh, you can't just dominate them and drop step them in the post. You can't just um, cheese them baseline, all of that stuff. So I, I'd say that defensive AI, uh, you could probably say 2K19, but I, I need people to realize that one of the best and most challenging aspects of past NBA 2K games was how good the computer played defensively and offensively. Um, They'd take the open shot and they would knock it down a good majority of the time. Um, On defense, they would stifle you. Uh, NBA 2K10, NBA 2K9, NBA 2K8, 2K11, 2K12, and even 2K13. The computer AI was fantastic. So... I'm going to say 2K19 just because that's what I'm into right now as far as, like, the overall computer AI on offense and defense. But as far as difficulty, as far as, like, a challenge, nothing beats those older games. Like, you get your 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 butt kicked on a game like NBA 2K10 if you're not playing perfect. <laughs> yeah, uh, so. absolutely. Hmm. So I'm trying not to look at your exam paper here, basically. I, I'm... Th- I'm drawn to 2K15 for reasons I mentioned under the offensive and defensive gameplay, or defensive 2K15 rather. The problem is it didn't really have great AI for its my player mode, for my career. The teammate AI definitely left something uh, to be desired. That had been definitely cleaned up by 2K19. Uh, 2K18 really took a step backwards there. Um, Let's see. You know what, I'm actually going to stick with 2K17. I'm fr- I know I'm taking a lot of parts from 2K17, but I will take the AI for 2K17 because, again, that played pretty well across all modes. And, and certainly with uh, playing that year with, uh, in my career as I did, I, I noticed that the-, the CPU actually didn't screw me over as much, my teammates. Uh, it's probably between 17 and 19 for me, but uh, uh, to be different, I'll say 17. Perfect. Yeah, you got a lot of 2K17 on here. But it, Which it, makes it, sense because we both really like 2K17. So. It, it will it will change shortly though. Uh, franchise or season mode, or for that matter, my career. Right? Well, we, we do that separately, I suppose. I mean, I mean, it's hard for me not to choose the most recent game. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be honest because they have um, a few more customization options now with the newer game. You can choose less than. You can go all the way down to 11 teams that you put in. You still have all the um, customization options with their, um, you know, team, arena building, team branding, all of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm just going to say 2K21. Next gen? Uh, I don't think they've, yeah, next gen, because I just don't think they've taken steps back. No. Really, from that aspect. Um, so that's the best. I'd like to put in that, that most recent one. Plus, you can share scenarios and, and setup options as well. Right, exactly. I mean, there's just it's just it is really deep. It is a really deep experience. I will uh, I will echo that. Two K twenty one next gen or current gen, whatever you want to call it. PlayStation five and uh, Xbox Series X. This is going to be tough because there's a few ways of looking at it. Retro content. 
See, this is hard because you can look at something like 2K11, which has the Jordan Challenge, which is fantastic. 2K12, NBA's Greatest wasn't it wasn't as deep as far as the actual challenge, but you also had the presentation and you had more teams. But then more recent games have brought back the Decade All-Stars, the All-Decade teams, and added more retro teams than you had in 2K11 and 12. So which way do you go? That's, that's, that's what so I'm tough. looking at. That's what I'm looking at with yeah. that. I think I think the problem is is when, when I'm looking at this and you're building your perfect game, I'm not including modding. Um, I'm not including modding capability, like retro content that you can mod in and, and all of that stuff. Uh, so and, and the more you've got in the game, the less you have to create as well. Right, and and also quality of that that content is important. We've talked about ratings and copy and paste and all of that stuff. Um, even from a console perspective, it's hard to to not say 2K21 uh next gen because it has the all-time teams it has the decade teams it has all of those new classic teams it gives you all of that content to mess with because you can't just say oh well it has all the retro content and then just ignore the fact that you can edit the retro content right yeah so and ignore the editing aspect of it so i'd say for retro content it's hard for me not i'd still have to say 2k21 next gen just because there's more to mess with not that it's done well now if the question was what retro content was done well and that you felt like you could dive into without as many issues and uh you know playing more accurate and everything i would choose a different game that's the that's the thing if you're you're looking at that replay value and the depth, you, right. you might look at 2K11 or 12 because you do have the Jordan Challenge, you've got NBA's Greatest. You've either got the, the dedicated challenge mode of the Jordan Challenge or you've got the incredible retro presentation of NBA's Greatest. So that would stand out. But as, as far as content, depth of content, breadth, you know, depth and breadth of content, yeah, I think I have to go with 21 as well simply because we have the most to date, give or take a player. Right, and, and I'll, I'll just point this out again. 2K11, 2K12, even 2K16, 2K17, etc. just felt a little bit more, and including like, uh, like the Ultimate Team, or excuse me, including the My Team modes, just felt a little bit more authentic. Mm. You know, in the in the newer games, they've removed Larry Bird's free throw to something that looks nothing like his. Magic exactly. Johnson's free throw removed. Wilt Chamberlain's not shooting the way he's supposed to from the line like he did in real life. You have, you know, Clyde Drexler and Dominique Wilkins, their bases being taken away, all of that stuff. So, like, in for 2K21, so you could get a little bit more immersed sometimes in those older games because they were focusing more on that, on those retro player accuracies, etc. That is the difference. That's what makes someone hard, because again, it's, it's quality or quantity. And normally I, I would take quality over quantity, but there is such a great quantity in the later games that it, it is very hard to go past them. It's hard to overcome it, but you know, if we didn't have the editing options, I wouldn't choose it. Yeah, but it's the well, fact that we do, we can fi- we can it. fix it to some extent if if need be. Yeah. Right. Uh, online modes. I don't play well. So I'm just I'm, I'm, the only thing I'm going to say is 2K15, and the reason why is because it's the game that I thought had the best my team, mm-hmm. um, and. I'm going to choose that game because I have not been able to get into my team since NBA 2K15, and that's the online mode I cared about. So sure. for me, I would put that. Now, if she's saying, what would you recommend online mode-wise to gamers, I'm still probably going with NBA 2K15 or 2K16 or 2K17 because the not only was the my team mode, in my opinion, better, 
more challenging and more rewarding. But this was before the ridiculous um, jump in virtual currency and microtransaction BS. And so the, the city yeah, and everything else, I mean, yeah. My choice may stay, to be honest. I mean, I've talked about it before. 500, over 500 games for NLC Thrillho in 2K17. Uh, it had the best, you know, it, it, had, it had its issues, but again, we're, we're Frankensteining this game together. It had pretty good matchmaking. It had some great customization options. Uh, it, it didn't have any of the gatekeeping options that you have to have five users per side that you could have less. We had a lot of great games where it was three humans versus three, uh, you know, three versus three with the humans and just uh, four AI players, two on each side uh, joining in. And it was a lot better than, you know, going to the wreck or anything else. I'm going to go with 2K17 again. Yeah, and, and I can easily say 2K17. Mine's between 2K15, 2K16, 2K17, and I think they're very similar in that aspect. Um, and from a gameplay perspective as well, all of them hold up pretty well. So, yeah, I, I, I could say 2K17 as well, to be honest with you. If, if we had to throw in yeah. my team in there, which my team mode you have, you'd still go with 2K15, obviously. Yeah, I just think it was the best my team. I really enjoyed it. I, I will actually go with 2K21. Um, both current, well, current and next gen is basically the same with uh, my team. I think they've done a great job with the agenda. Um, this, this is not one that Lady Culture mentioned, but it, we'll just throw it in there anyway. Uh, I would actually go with 2K, 2K21 for my team because it does have the uh, some pretty good content but it does have other issues as well. So, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's very hard to pick, and we've discussed this before, it's hard to pick a game where, even when you're taking big chunks of it and Frankensteining it like this, because there's, there's things like, again, my team in 2K21 has got a, some great content and modes, but its its approach to matchmaking is non-existent, not, not very good, not very effective, and, the, and there's definitely that pushiness in towards the recurrent revenue, you know, t- towards buying packs and everything. So it's one of those things where it's, it's very hard to get a, a perfect mode if you're pulling it from one game. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, um, 2K15, 2K16, 2K17, I, I, maybe I should have spent a little bit more time in my team on 2K16, 2K17, but my favorite my team or ultimate team modes ever are my team 2K15 and ultimate team live 16. I think they did a really good job with ultimate team and live 16. And as far as uh, my career, I'll throw it out there as well. Uh, I'll say 2K, 2K19. And I'm not going to make a judge on that because I've never... Yeah, I don't play there you it. go. And, uh, yeah. and finally, cover athlete. And, and spoilers, mine will not be 2K17 with all due respect to uh, Playoff Paul. Yeah, see, the, see, with the cover athlete thing, this is interesting because basically are we saying we're building a game that can have any cover athlete or are we saying that cover athlete has to come from today because it would be a new game so if i'm if i'm choosing any cover athlete i'm choosing that wizards michael jordan cover okay of uh, nba live 2002 that you showed i just think that was really cool love the wizards jordan um i think that that would be a really good one and no i'm not sure that would catch on with everybody but i think it would be cool it's a cool if collectible we, if we're talking about a <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about a current cover athlete, I think that, um, 2K did the right thing by having Zion on Agreed. NBA 2K21. Um, though I am biased towards the NBA 2K17 Legends Kobe Bryant cover. So I don't know if we're doing a Legends cover and a regular cover. Um, 
I also am really partial towards the NBA 2K13, excuse me, NBA 2K12 cover that had, I want to say it was Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, and Magic Johnson. Three different, three different covers, yeah. Yeah, had three different covers. Um, but they also had um, three players on one cover, I want to say. That was uh, 13, well. yeah. That was uh, Derek Rose, Blake Griffin, and uh, Kevin Durant. Gross, right. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to go with, for a Legends cover, I would do, like, the NBA 2K12 Michael Jordan cover. And I'm going to scrap the... I'm going to scrap the Michael Jordan Wizards cover because to that 2K12 cover was just awesome. So I would do something like that. And then for, if it had to be a current player cover, I would choose Zion to be honest. So I'll I'll go also go with Zion for a current player and obviously being the, the future great choice, as you said, for 2K21 next gen, but for a, uh, a legends cover, I'm going to go with uh, 2K16's Michael Jordan cover which was the uh, Legend Edition, I think the first kind of special edition they did, before, before they were even calling it Legend Edition. But uh, I also like the idea that they had that, that year where you could uh, swap the covers through, swap the covers over, rather, because you had the Steph Curry, you had the uh, Anthony Davis and James Harden, but then you had the, the MJ cover for the special edition. So, uh, yeah, 2K16 for Legend and 2K21 for current. Cool intro for NBA 2K16, too, with Steph Curry going through all the NBA players and then meeting Michael Jordan. At the end, as oh, it, it was a my player. It was a my player that did it, and then he, he came up against Curry, and then Harden. Oh, that's what you meant. Yeah, it yeah. was your my player that went up against. Yeah, sorry, it was yeah. my player that went up against players like Curry and Harden and whatnot, and and to get to Jordan, and then Jordan was sitting on his throne. Yeah, um, no, it was very at, very creative. Yeah, yeah, it was very creative. Um, intro. Uh, I miss those and intros. Then, I miss intros. I really general. do. I mean, if you had to choose an intro to bring to a game, that would be a whole another discussion. Uh, because there's been so many intros in the past, we'd have to think about that and probably come back to it. Live 96 but... BC. <laughs> I've got <laughs> mine. Yeah, that had a good intro too, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So let's just run that down again, uh, both just to uh, refresh that. Uh, always, a, again, a very fun game. Se- seems Sounds easy. Sounds easy until we start thinking about it, because you can only pull from one. So uh, graphics? We both said 2K19? So I said 2K19's graphics. Yeah. 2K19. Uh, presentation, I said uh, NCAA Basketball 10 with an NBA slant. Uh, I'm choosing NBA Live 10 or NBA Live 16. I know I'm supposed to choose one, but I just they're both just awesome. I kind of like Breen and Van Gundy, so right now I'm going to say Live 16. Uh, shot Mechanic, we both went 2K17. Yes. Uh, offensive Gameplay, I went with uh, 2K16. I believe you went with 17, was it? I went with 2K17, yeah. Uh, defensive Gameplay, mine was uh, 2K15. 2K19. Uh, animations? Uh, 2K16. Did I give it 2K16 as well? I went 2K17, didn't I? You said, 2K, you said 2K17. Yeah. 2K17, that's right, yeah. Uh, AI? Um, I said 2K19. I believe I looked at your exam paper on that one. I copied it from you. Uh, franchise was uh, 2K21, uh, current gen, uh, next gen rather. Yep, same same for here, yeah. As, was, uh, as was retro content, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, for... Online modes, I said 2K17, you said 2K15. I also threw uh, 2K19 out there for my career and 2K21 for my team. You mentioned... Uh, Remember, I don't play online that much. Did 2K15 have the same kind of infrastructure as far as like playing online? 
Uh, it, did, like... it didn't have online team play. Okay, so let, let, I'm going to switch that, and I'm going to go with 2K17 with you, because even though my team was better on 2K15, it was still somewhat similar on 2K17. It was before the microtransaction gouge, so I'm going to say 2K17 then. Well, then you, can say, two, you, then you can say specifically, uh, Lady Culture didn't mention it, but we can say 2K15. You can say 2K15 for my team. Cause I yeah, said, for my team, I'll say 2K15. Which I said uh, 2K21. Um, and cover athlete, uh, as, I, as I said, I will take Zion Williamson, as you did, and I'll take 2K16's uh, Michael Jordan for the legend. Yeah, well, creative. Yeah, exactly. And, I'll, and I'm going to say creative menu system for 2K16, too, with the players dribbling in mm. and passing all of that stuff. I thought that was kind of cool. We could talk about menu systems and intros and stuff on the next podcast. Th- that being said, I, w- I would probably take the current menus over 2K15 and 16, where you had to go into play now and then back out to get most of the options, including 2KU. I feel it's a bit, it's a bit more, it's a bit better laid out now. I feel anyway. I still really like, I still really like the NBA 2K14 PC menus. Yeah, got to be honest. Yeah, with they, they, yeah, they were they were straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Not not 2K11 PC. They're they're a bit awkward right. with holding the stick. Yeah. Right. So basically, yeah, listeners, definitely tell us which game you would rather play. Yeah, because that would be interesting. Yeah, and also tell us what you'd uh, what you'd change, what what parts you would Frankenstein in instead. Yeah. Exactly. So thank you to Lady Culture for the question and to Swaggy P for the uh, previous question as well. Once again, we do love doing the mailbag each and every week. Send in your topic suggestions or your questions. Either way, we'd like to discuss those topics in the uh, in the mailbag. Again, podcast at mba-live.com or our social media or the forum, which we will be promoting shortly. But uh, yes, that has brought us to the end of uh, episode number 365 of the NLC podcast. You can find the podcast coming out every Sunday on the NLSC, which is mb-live.com, of course. We're also on all the major podcatching apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, search for NLC Podcast, look for our logo, and that will be us. Subscribe on those platforms. Please leave us a review, hopefully a positive one, on Apple Podcasts. But as long as you're tuning into the show each and every week, that is the main thing. So with that being said, Derek... Let's uh, let's plug our socials and wrap up. Absolutely. So, um, holding court with D for three, we released episode fifteen recently. Live by the three, die by the three. Andrew was obviously my guest. Uh, definitely tune into that. Um, we've had uh, more listeners recently. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Amazon Audible, CLNS Media, um, so many different podcasting platforms. So definitely check that out. And we'll be re- recording episode sixteen shortly. I'm on Twitter at D for three eighty four, YouTube D for three, as well um, on the NLSC as D for three. I am Andrew NLSC on Twitter. As I said at the top of the show, the NLSC itself is the NLSC on Facebook and Twitter. On Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. YouTube is NBA Live Series Center. And of course, give a look to the NLSC itself, nb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that is all for this week, so thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone.